Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Soli Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is the movie version of the book that terrorized our generation as children, right? Basically, they that's the summary of this. They say that, but I don't believe I ever saw these. But I know you did. Well, it's been a long time since I read this book, but I do remember the toe. Yeah, there was a toe. That was the most upsetting part of this movie. Was it? Yeah, it was. Okay, so let's talk about the stories that showed up, right? So Harold is the story of a kid who gets turned into a scarecrow, right? Mm -hmm. Then we have, uh, what, there was the, the red spot yeah, where spiders, spiders come out of the lady's yeah. face. Yeah. What else was there? The big toe. Which is nothing. It's just... There's not... Th there's right? no story Okay, there. we're going to come back to that. I have a comment on a different story before we... Uh, okay. Later. So the big toe kid eats a toe in, in stew, stew, and then the person, ghost, mummy, zombie, zombie <laughs> that the toe belongs to comes and gets him. What else? There's the red room... Where a blobby kind of lady. Stay puffed marshmallow lady. Okay, but the stay puffed marshmallow man is cute, and this lady was definitely not. She was like I very feel like, like Korean horror. Yes, like I was gonna say J horror. This yeah. was this was an Asian horror lady coming after him. Yeah, like all like all like she'd been um, decaying in a swamp for a long time. Yeah, and then just gave him a big giant. hug. The end. face she was very <laughs> weird yeah and it was all about getting a hug that was yeah. the gist of the story uh what else oh there's the me tai doti walker yes i feel like should have raised more of a stir when the sheriff read the title like very precisely like he saw it and he was like oh yeah it says me tai doti walker here what i don't know like why it, it says that but it's like totally it normal that it would say that sure and so that was like a creepy one of those like twisty yeah, like broken a... guy kinds of monsters chasing yeah. after our hero cgi contortionist mm, good good mm -hmm. description and then there was of course the haunted house which was just the past right yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean basically that's what I mean, haunted houses are it really right it wasn't even haunted until i mean i guess she met the ghost at the end but i mean it was, was haunted by her Ooh. she was the ghost yeah whatever so We've looked at the list of stories that are in the first edition of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, right? Yeah. And so we've seen some of them, like The Big Toe and Me Tai Doti Walker and The Haunted House are definitely in there. There's also one called The Wendigo that is mentioned in the movie. It doesn't tell us the story so much, but no. it's like part of the, the thing tying all of these stories together. And then um, there's the story called... What is it? The Hearse Song, yeah. which is, you know, the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, the worms play pinochle in your snout, which <laughs> very strongly remember from my childhood. I do, too. I know that song. And that was, 
playing throughout and like music boxes and like it was sort of the theme of all of the background music mm-hmm. although there is some discussion on imdb as to whether it's that song or a different song yeah, right you may be the next um which apparently they sound very similar very so anyway i think it's interesting though that some of the stories like the red spot and the red room did not come from this list of stories that are in the book so that's interesting to me yeah i mean it's possible they just have a different name or something, but I don't know. Yeah. So having said that all these stories are in this movie, there is a large debate going on, mostly in the area of this microphone, about <laughs> whether this movie is an anthology or it not. It absolutely is. Debate not. over. And the debate is failed because <laughs> it is definitely not an anthology at all, which is an interesting thing about the movie. <sighs> So the thing is, it is an anthology, heavily disguised as not an anthology. All anthologies tend to have that like that thread that runs through that's, that's like tying all the stories yes. together. This even has a book. It's literally a book I of know, stories. That's the thing. That's the device they use. But the movie is completely the story of what's going on around the book. Like. It's not just a tie together with a bunch of separate stories. Those separate stories, they're not separate stories. They're about the people in the first story encountering these things. But lots of times the same characters and that's, no, that does not. Yes, lots of times though. No, not. And in this case, the reason I'm going to stick with It's an Anthology is you actually like go away from the main story for these side stories to happen. Harold, really? yes. Harold, Harold do, but not we're the like rest. out in the middle of a cornfield yeah, with a just the guy. one dude, the red room. All of a sudden, we jump away from the main story that these two, the two, what's her face and what's his face, Ramon right. and um, Stella. Stella. That's the tie through story. Like all of the other stories are no, hop- we're no, hopping away. No. They hopped into a whole different house so that Augie could eat the toe. <laughs> I see, no, where, I see what you're saying, but you're super wrong. <laughs> and this is something that uh, can be debated for years by film critics and uh, cinephiles worldwide. I think this is the big issue of our time, really. I, yeah, I think you're probably right. And, and someday I will be vindicated. Um, oh. I will. And you will have to eat your words. It's and really quite possibly sad that you're toe. waiting on that. I'm not <laughs> eating a toe in the most horrifying scene in this entire movie. I have never, I don't think I have ever experienced a horror movie that was trying to gross me out that actually made me gag. No. And when he was pulling that toe out of his That's mouth, I'm I was actually gagging. I'm like, I might throw up. That was so disgusting and horrifying. And I don't even know why. I mean, it was just, it was an object he was pulling out of his mouth, which we know is fake and whatever. Uh, no, but, I don't even want to think about I it. Mean, it's so gross. Okay, the thing that should have been super disgusting <clears throat> was spiders crawling out of someone's face. And that was nothing. That didn't creep me out hardly at all. That was, I don't think they did it right. Like no. it started out weird and horrifying that the little leg was sticking out. But then when they all started coming out, I was like, whatever, they're coming out. So there were two moments when that when I was like creeped out by the pimple thing that turned into spiders. <laughs> Early on, when it still was like she still thought it was a pimple and it still kind of looked like it, except it was really big. Like I was yeah. looking at that, like empathizing with how painful that would have yeah, been. Me too. And like how she's like poking at it. And I'm like, oh, 
I was waiting for pus to come out and everything. I was grossed out at that moment. And had sure. it just been like pussy at that moment, I would have been grossed out. Yeah, that would have grossed me but out. But then they immediately jumped to way too big. Like it yeah. grew it was so huge. much like in one cutaway that then I was like, oh yeah, now it's fake. The second part where I was grossed out was when that one little leg came uh-huh. out. And you were like, is it a hair? Is it? And she starts pulling at it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a good moment. But then it suddenly became a gazillion CGI spiders. And I was like, over it. Yeah, that just didn't play out. That was a failure. Yeah. I will declare it. Yeah, it could have been good. So at one point they're in the house and like they've just gone to the haunted house and they're wandering around and they open a door and they're like getting ready to go down into the basement. And there is a massive spider web. It's like lace covering the door. Yeah. And they just walked right through it like it didn't exist. It's horrible. And all I could think was that spider web alone would have kept me from going down those (laughs) stairs. Well, I mean, I would have gotten a stick like you were saying in the theater. Like, definitely. If you see something like that in your way, you grab a stick and you swipe it all up and you're good. Because it was massive. (laughs) It was the kind of spider web that would like plaster itself to you. And was it going to be all sticky? And oh, it was gross. Yeah. Super gross. It's not any good. So that was definitely one of the things that stuck with me from early on in the movie. Regarding another one of these stories. Okay. Mitai Doti Walker. Okay. Yes, I have thoughts about that story. I had to Google that because I'm like, why was that the story? Why is it called that? The whole movie, once they said that, I was like trying to piece it together. Like that game where where they have you say words and then what you're really saying is something else that is a homophone for what the words you're reading off the card. Because I'm like, what is he really saying? Meat? I? Like if you're the king of sofas? Yes, the king of sofas. (laughs) Then I Googled it. And I got this handy wiki that go, that exactly tells you a summary of the story. Wow. First of all, there's no monster in that story. Is it actually like a campfire story like I mean, Ramon yeah. said? Yeah, it's, it's a dumb little campfire story, but okay. it's beyond dumb. Here's the whole story, everybody. I'm going to tell you a scary story, so turn down your lights. This guy's at home with his dog, which was featured in the movie. Oh, yeah. And he hears a voice say, me, Tai Doti Walker, whatever that is. Okay. And his dog, you know, is freaking out and is barking at it. And then his dog responds to it. I heard that in the movie. You know, the dog was making the, like, the weird growly noises. And at one point I'm like, like, oh my gosh, eventually this dog is just going to be saying the words. His dog actually responds saying, Lynchy, Kinchy, Collie, Molly, Dingo, Dingo, as dogs are wont to do. We all know this. Okay. And the boy freaks out about that. And the dog and the voice go back and forth saying it. And then eventually, a head falls down the chimney, comes to life, and looks at the dog. Dog dies of fright. Kid screams. Story over. Um, You can turn your lights back up now. That's the end of the story. (laughs) I mean, okay, so in the movie, the dog did not say whatever it was that the dog said, which... Sounds vaguely racist to me, yeah, actually. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. Um, well, you know what? The other one does, too. Two totally different versions of racism right there. Very yeah. weird. Okay, so the dog doesn't do that. But, yeah, there's no story there. None at all. Not even just a hint of story. And that's why I also want to comment in the movie version of the story. You know, it comes down, it's a monster and a bunch of pieces that come together. Uh, which possibly is another story in this book. I think some IMDb people suggested that's mm, a thing. Mm-hmm. 
but what it was was it was a change like this whole movie is about these stories that basically tell you what's going to happen i mean it's too late by the time they tell you but they control reality so like this is what's going to happen because mm-hmm. it's written down that way and so that's how it's going to be but this story wasn't that at all it was just here's a monster it's coming for you you can do whatever you want to deal with it but it's coming for you here's the thing there was a shift when they got into well it started a little bit earlier but i think it really happened when they were put in those jail cells Mm -hmm. and ramon was talking about how like it had been revealed that he was um a draft dodger and he's like oh now you're gonna think i'm a coward and I'm afraid of what the book will see if it reads me. So, like, yeah. that's it started back when she said the cheesiest line of the whole movie, <laughs> which was, You don't read the stories, the stories read you. <laughs> Whatever. They're Russian the... stories, though. <laughs> In Russia. <laughs> anyway, they had shifted. Like, they made this shift where now the stories are like seeing something in you and it's what you're yeah. afraid of. It doesn't, which would be fine. I would be totally okay with that twist if you could look back and see that, like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the Harold story I kind of get because the guy was well, afraid he, of the he scarecrow. He sure had some issues with that scarecrow. And then he turned into the scarecrow. So okay, but what's up with Augie and the toe? He was really scared of toes. I mean, I don't know. I just yeah, there's nothing there. Like I don't get it. But I have another problem with that story. Just to, real quick. Why did it drag him under his bed into nothingness? Like, how is that part of the story? I mean, maybe that is the story. I don't know, the original story. But the zombie comes for him and then just drags him into a void of nothing. Yeah. So weird. At least it didn't hug him. So, okay. So the reading of him, the Red Room one works because he was was having this nightmare. Maybe that's, they wrote this like in order and they started figuring out what they were doing towards (laughs) the end. And I guess the Red Spot one makes sense because, you know, she's a teenage girl and she's afraid of pimples. I mean, whatever. That's a good connection. I don't know though. The thing about the stories in this book, and I remember this from when I was a kid, is that there there are some that are really scary, like uh-huh. like weirdly scary, and others that are like a like an eight year old wrote them, like like it's like jokes that that kids tell where there's yeah. there's no punchline or like they don't quite understand how to tell a joke, <laughs> but they're yes. imitating jokes they've heard. I think that's what happens here is like some of these stories are not actually stories. We were just reading about one of them that's in the book where it's basically two guys are walking along they look at each other a few times and then the the story ends with a scream and that's what i remember from the book is that there were a yeah. lot of stories where like you were supposed to read them to your friends and well, then at yeah, the end you're just definitely. like Ugh! and that was you yeah. know like that was the whole point is that yeah. they're they're bored because Campfire the story is dumb. stories Oh, yeah. it's, they're supposed to be bored. They're supposed that's to be the bored, point. and then you jump out at them, basically. <laughs> like, I feel like that's the whole huh. thing. Like, you lull them and then startle them. And watching this movie, I had more jump scares in this movie than I have in, had in a lot of movies. Because yeah. they really made use of the, like, thing coming at the screen, big loud noise all at the same time. Unexpectedly. Yeah, it was definitely jump scare based. And I think that was sort of like that ties in nicely to the book it came from because that's <laughs> sort of what the book was about. Too. I, the movie should have ended with a scream. That would have been good. <gasps> it sort of did. That did was it? the finale with the ghost. It was. She's like, you got to stop this. And she did, did with a big scream. 
Oh. Yeah, that was on purpose. There are layers and layers to this. So many layers. We're probably going to have to watch. We should get the book and read (laughs) it and then watch the movie several times and really analyze it. Really analyze it. We talked about uh, Me, Ty, Doty, Walker, which was a stupid, was like, had no story to it. Yeah, for sure. But the big toe one was the one that bothered (laughs) me the most, story-wise. Yeah. Because there was no reason. Like, literally the story is they find a toe in the backyard and they decide to have it for dinner. Like, what is up with that? Well, if you're hungry, any toe is a good toe. (laughs) And then in the movie, like, he's on the phone with his mom. His mom's like, I didn't make any stew. And he's like, oh, whatever. Somebody did. I'm just going to eat it. (laughs) But more importantly, he then eats it cold. He takes stew out of the fridge and starts eating it. He put it on the stove, yeah, but he didn't uh, wait for it to heat. Uh, yeah, I no, don't it was even, definitely Did he cold. turn on the stove? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Awful. Yeah. That's the most disgusting thing in the movie. And then she just drags him up. Like, she comes and she, you know, wants her toe back. And he didn't even eat it. No, he spit it out. But she grabs him from under the bed and just pulls him into the wall. And, like, yeah. I, I don't know. There's I feel no... like he could have given it back at that point and just been like... Oh, here you go. Yeah, right? I didn't it's want to eat this anyway. It's on the floor in the anyway. kitchen. I spit it out because it's a toe. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's weird that she wasn't concerned about her eyeball that was also in the stew. Yeah, it sure was. Okay, so that was my least favorite. My favorite of all of them was mm-hmm. definitely Harold. Yeah. And not so much because... I mean, I think it was the best told story in the movie, mm. but also it definitely connects to one of my like childhood terrors, which is I watched probably a um, Twilight Zone episode or something, like a Halloween Twilight Zone episode. Sure. I don't remember what it was. All I remember is that I was much too young to be watching it, and there was a story, and it involved a guy... I think it was like a love triangle thing, and the guy, in order to not be chased off by somebody who didn't want him to be there, hid oh, in the barn, yes. dressed up like a scarecrow. I know that one. And the girl he was in love with, like, kills him with a pitchfork, right? Like, yeah. uh, this traumatized me <laughs> to the point where I still can't see pitchforks without, like, They're pretty getting scary. creeped out. Yeah. It's true. They're a pretty yeah. terrifying tool. But this one definitely tapped into that, like, deep fear that I have of that story. I have a deep fear from this story, too, which is I really fear any family that (laughs) thinks a corpse is an appropriate scarecrow and acts totally chill about it. Yeah. And then Ramon shows up, sees the scarecrow hanging from a pole. And Ramon says, oh, I'm not scared. It's just a scarecrow. What? Made of human flesh, (laughs) dude. You should be scared. Yeah, I had the same thought. That's the weirdest thing. Yeah, there's no scarecrow. Scarecrows are not supposed to be made out of skin. No. So when he, when um, Tommy stabbed the first scarecrow, (laughs) I was like, oh, it's going to turn out that like his dad is in there or like his older brother or somebody. Like I, I was that deep in my like, no, this is what (laughs) happens. People hide in scarecrows and then they get stabbed. But that's not what happened in this movie. No. So speaking of Ramon. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about the setting of this movie. Apparently, we're still telling coming-of-age stories from the 60s. Yeah, I thought it was going to Baby skip boomers are still writing about how terrified they were growing up. And I sort of feel like they were really messed up by their childhood. Like... It's quite possible. Well, I mean, 
in the background of this, you see things messing them up. I mean, for sure, like, Vietnam War is going on, and it keeps peppering all of these like old TV reports of Nixon getting elected, was which it? is traumatizing for sure. But yeah, like they talk about, you know, they're, the Tommy was all excited about signing up so he could go fight Nam and yeah, like. But when I think about it, like there's always that Tommy character, that like older teenage, almost young adult punk who terrorizes everybody and like threatens everyone in the whole village whole village in the whole town (laughs) with like a baseball bat and that's just okay like nobody like he's just walking around through the drive-in movie theater with a baseball bat like threatening to beat people up and all right that's just how tommy does that's tommy it's weird, and that's a very consistent thing in these coming-of-age stories. Yeah, it's the big bullies. I, yeah, I feel like all, like, baby boomers were at one point in their, like, early teens terrorized by 18-year-old guys. And you know that means a few years later than they got a little older, they were doing it to the younger kids. So of course. It's a vicious cycle. Of course. So, but it, it really bothers me that, like, I liked that ta- that Ramon's story was that he he wasn't just a, like a migrant worker like yeah, like we like were supposed he pretended to think to be. right he was actually a draft dodger but then like his redemptive arc at the end of the movie <laughs> is that he decides to stop being a draft dodger and go to war and so basically Yikes. he survives all of this madness in this town only to be sent off to vietnam to die like his brother did yeah i mean and that's what I was looking for. Like, about halfway through the movie, I was feeling like, oh, so this is all set against the horrors of Vietnam. And it could, you know, connect up. But it really didn't. Oh, it does. It okay. Does. So the other kind of cheesy line, which it, I think it's only cheesy because of the way she kept saying it and the way they kept saying it, was stories... Oh, heal yeah. stories hurt yeah stories hurt stories heal like it said it a couple different ways in a couple different points in the story the reason baby boomers keep writing all of these coming of age stories is because they were so screwed up yeah. by what was going on while they were growing up and think about all the other things too like nuclear bombs like they had to hide under their desks in elementary school and i had to do that too like i mean i did too <laughs> but it, we were long past really being afraid of that by the time you and I were kids. These kids today don't have to hide under their desk for any reason. Ugh, <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to get some interesting <laughs> yeah. movies about 30 years from now. Probably that's what's happening here, is that they're turning this into a stories heal, stories hurt kind of thing, where they're trying to write these horror stories to address this kind of existential dread they grew up with. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of that in the future. And what's interesting is baby boomers are the ones who are all like, millennials suck, why are they so (laughs) screwed up all the time? Like, there is a significant amount of existential dread in the world right now. Yeah, there sure is. Well, this is depressing now. Yeah. I feel like we keep doing this where we take stories and turn them into something meaningful and deep and depressing. Well, I mean, they they did that. Like, they didn't have to focus. I mean, they didn't focus a lot, but they didn't have to keep poking at the Vietnam stuff. And Mm -hmm. they did. It was intentional. It was very intentional. I feel like they were lacking something there, though, where it could Mm -hmm. have been like, this is the real horror. But... Right. It wasn't. It, it was there. And I wonder if that's because it's they're trying to make a movie that can work on for both generations. Like, yeah. baby boomers who go to watch this movie 
they're not going to go to watch this movie, guys. I'm sorry. But if they do, they they are going to read more into the Nixon coverage and the background stuff. And then the millennials, well, you and I, our generation, what are we, Gen X? Gen X-ish. I'm like tail end. Like I'm yeah. probably the last actual individual in Gen X. <laughs> but like we're going to go and we're going to be like, oh yeah, I remember these stories from when I was a kid. And then millennials and younger, because millennials are like... 30 years old now, guys, if they go, it's just going to be like, oh, this is a dumb, scary story. Like, I don't think it's going to resonate with them the way it does with older generations because there wasn't that much there if you couldn't put something into it. And that's what you were talking about. Like, it didn't connect it well enough for people who can't make the connections on their own. Yeah. I did like the way that it used um, a couple different versions of Season of the Witch in the soundtrack. Yeah. Which is not a song that I actually like. Like, I have never really liked that song, but I found it very effective in this movie. Hmm. There was something I liked. Scratch that. There was something I didn't like that I was gonna like. It was so close. Yeah. They, they almost did it. In the story about the freaking big toe, <laughs> um, they're talking to Augie over the walkie-talkie, telling him the story that they're seeing in front of them, uh-huh. ho- hoping to save him. I know what you're gonna say fine but they're telling him oh, you're, you're, there's a, a voice that says whatever like you you've got my big toe who's got my big toe uh-huh and he's like i don't hear any voice saying that he even says you're the only voice i hear <laughs> and that it was going so well i'm like oh that's so clever it's making them say it yep but then a little bit later the ghost actually starts saying it it themselves and that was disappointing i had the same thought i was like oh this is this is awesome this is a great little twist and then but where does that go like it's already so flat of a story like how (laughs) do you but on the whole that once i felt like that was happening even though it kind of wasn't i felt like that's what needed to be done with this story is the book is making these stories happen it doesn't have to like conjure things out of nothing to mm-hmm. do it. It could just cleverly, you know, Rube mm-hmm. Goldberg them into happening. And that would be really cool. You know, mm-hmm. like like somebody trips and falls into a shredder instead of getting eaten by a monster or something. I don't know. Right. Speaking of which, at the end in the Haunted House story, yeah. where she becomes Sarah Bellows, Bellows and they're like chasing her around and they throw her into the room. Here's this girl, this loner girl who wants to be a storyteller who's suddenly trapped in the yeah. basement bedroom of this lonely girl who was a storyteller who was killing. Like, I'm like, oh, they're going to wrap it all around. That's what she I thought. She is Sarah Bellows. That's why we haven't <laughs> seen pictures of her. It's her. I know. And that, yeah, there were pieces missing in this movie. Yes. Okay. The whole thing about. There are no pictures of Sarah Bellows. That had to be... You can't do that. That's a Chekhov's lack lack of pictures. pictures. Like, you can't put that in the story if it has no relevance to the story. The whole time I'm like, is Sarah Bellows her mom? Like, what's going on? But it was nothing. It was literally nothing. It was just because they didn't like her. They didn't have pictures of her. Yeah. And that's the thing is, on the flip side of that exact event... Her story, effectively, is that she disappeared and and went into the past and she was living this past event. 
which has Ra- no meaning to the whole story. Ramon like, even found her glasses. Yeah, so she really was in the past mm-hmm. and which left her glasses, which mm-hmm. came to the future over time. Right. And that didn't, that was nothing. Like, that That didn't make sense with the story, but it could have been something. Especially since at the end they made a distinct point, I think because they were trying to set up for a sequel, <laughs> that Augie and Chuck yeah, were, were still missing, and missing and that they were going to keep looking for them. And I'm like, if she oh, went into the past yeah. and stopped Sarah Bellows from being this ghost who's telling all these stories Wait. all of these people should have come back i don't think she did because i think at that point she wasn't in the past anymore because the room was all as soon as the bellows family switched off the lights on her i think it went to the present and she was in the dusty crappy room from the present i think you're right but why <laughs> how because that's what was happening i don't know so it ends with a scream The last thing that I want to say is the most horrific moment of the entire movie. It's the toe. Including pulling a dead toe out of your mouth. No, nothing worse than that. Oh, no. That's it. The worst moment is when Ramon takes the dirty, broken pair of spectacles and puts (laughs) them on her face. Like that's going to help her see. So many levels. First of all, nobody can ever put your glasses on in a way that's comfortable. Like, there's a way that they go on, and nobody is ever capable of putting them on in that way. So right away, my whole body is cringing. Second of all, they were broken. They were. She wasn't going to be able to see out of them. Spider webs across one of them. Like, there was a whole, like, spider cracks across one of them. These people don't have issues with spider webs. Apparently not. Third of all, they were dusty from like 200 yeah. years worth of dust on they them. They were caked. Not only could she not see out of them, he just put all of that dirt right <laughs> in her eyes. Like, oh my God, Ramon. Yeah. Good thing he went off to Vietnam. But she had a little crush on him, so yeah. she didn't say any of those things. Like, dude, I can put on my own glasses and these are filthy. Yeah. Well, I can see how that's upsetting to a glasses person. So I've never worn glasses, so I don't identify with this issue. I I need glasses. I just haven't ever worn them. I promise I will never put your glasses on you for you. Okay. I appreciate (laughs) it. I guess we better rate this movie. Ratings! Okay. So, I really want to rate this movie well. I was entertained by it. It was the kind of, like, almost cartoony horror movie where like that I kind of enjoy because it's gross. It's got grossness to it. Yeah. It has jump scares. But there's nothing that, like, I didn't really... I mean, aside from the toe, there wasn't anything where I was like, oh... I mean, I guess the pitchfork, too. I guess I was really... I connected <laughs> to this movie more than I thought I did. But it was lighthearted in a way. Yes, it definitely was. So I liked that. It was a teen movie. It was. It was definitely... It was almost like, I mean, at this point, like, the kind of horror movie, like, 10-year-olds will watch. (laughs) Like, it was not really scary. Yeah. The problem I have with it is that the story, the writing, was bad. Mm Mm-hmm. In so many ways, like, that we've discussed. But I know the book that they were basing this movie on, (laughs) and the writing in the book was infinitely worse. Yeah. So they took a terrible book and turned it into a mediocre movie, which I feel like is kind of a skill. I don't know. So I guess on our patented out-of-five rating system, unique to only us. That no one else uses. Nobody else. 
I would give this movie three well-cooked big toes out of five. <laughs> yeah, you're right in my ballpark. You know, I was looking at a 3.5 a lot during this movie, and mm-hmm. I was like, this is pretty fun. I'm I'm enjoying this, even though it's kind of silly. But then by the time it was over, and I was mad at the lack of some connections to different mm-hmm. things, and then we discussed those things and like really feeling like this was written wrong. They tried <laughs> and they didn't put all the pieces together. I suspect they put all the pieces together and then a lot of them ended up on the cutting room floor. That's very possible. But the end result is what I will judge. And I will give it only a three well-cooked big toes out of five. Much like you. In that it was enjoyable and kind of stupid. <laughs> So all in all, a total of six big toes, which I feel like is appropriate for one foot of that zombie that was chasing him. (laughs) Well, that's a lot of toes for one foot. This is what I'm saying. All right, cool. And tomorrow we will return for another movie. Bye! Bye! That's a one-take Johnny. Okay. This is Hollywood lingo. Got it. Ready? Go.